Hello and welcome to episode four of series four of the Poolside Pass podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Sean Barmer, who is the head coach at Cockermouth Swimming Club up in Cumbria. And over the years, Sean has produced a fantastic amount of Great Britain international swimmers. Uh, we represent Great Britain at junior and senior level. Uh, most recently, and most notably perhaps, uh, is Luke Greenbank, who is uh, current world champion in the 4x1 medley relay and also bronze medalist at the World Championships in Guangzhou in the 200m backstroke. He's also part of the Team GB team that's going out to Tokyo to compete at this summer's Olympic Games. During the episode, I spoke with Sean about his experiences in coaching uh, and the need for fantastic communication um, at all levels when you're coaching with athletes, with parents, uh, and also a new project he's working on called the V-Meet Swim. Uh, thank you to all the coaches that have tuned in to episodes one, two, and three of the podcast so far this series. I hope you enjoyed those. If you've got any feedback, make sure to get in touch with us at the Poolside Pass on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, enjoy the episode. Okay, so I think it's about time I introduce Sean to the podcast. Sean Barmer, welcome. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, just returned from Glasgow, so apparently uninfected, so feeling <laughs> quite good. That's, that's good. First swim, first swim meet for 18 months, so can't yes. be bad. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that was good to be back on, on poolside, right? Uh, yeah, a bit strange wearing a mask. Um, you know, obviously it's uh, it's more difficult to breathe than that. And uh, but yeah, good to good to actually be there. Atmosphere is different, obviously no spectators, but uh, yeah, definitely good to be there. Excellent. Why don't we just start by um, getting a little bit of background from you in terms of how you got into swimming and then how you got like in into coaching and and your journey to date. Right. Um, well, interesting one, this. I mean, I started swimming at about seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, something like that. The same as most kids do. Um, got spotted as a swimmer. Um, never quite made it to the level, sort of national level, but never quite made it to the level that I aspired to be. And then was really fortunate uh, at the age of about 16, because I loved the sport, to start coaching with a guy called Dave Bance. Um, Dave Bance uh, was at Stockton Aquatics, as it was known there, to... Uh, I came from Middlesbrough um, and for sort of a period of about a year or so, got to work with uh, Stuart Wilmot, Sam Purvis, you know, Stuart, obviously, Amy's father, Sam Purvis, both went to the 84 Olympics. So my starting point was, well, isn't everybody an Olympian? Um, you know, so it, it did, but it does, I think, set a tone through, um, if you like, the, the, the coaching side. I mean, I'm a businessman, so I do this all voluntarily, always have done, even in the early days. Uh, then took over Middlesbrough Swimming Club, um, late 80s, stayed there a couple of years, learned, learned a lot, but learned a lot about myself as a person, as a coach, and how to deal with adults, uh, parents, and things like that. Because uh, the club actually had about 600 swimmers, turned out with three pools, which... And then uh, through work reasons, moved over to beautiful uh, West Cumbria, just off, uh, well, the Cockermouth is, uh, is, is the actual boundary. The River Cockermouth is the boundary of the Lake District National Park. So there's an interesting fact. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so came here in 95, um, was intent on doing some swimming. And Elna Walsh, who I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, um, uh, it was the sort of matriarch of the club. Uh, has been there since the uh, dot. Uh, I think she coached Adam to swim, Adam, Adam and Eve. Um, and 
she uh, I had a uh, operation, double hernia, and uh, I couldn't swim for three months. And Elna twisted my arm and said, "Well, I know you can coach, coach, will you?" Um, so that was kind of 19, I think 1996. She twisted my arm and got me into the coaching there. And I've had a young family, so I haven't really um, put everything into it so until probably I would say mid 2000s, uh, 2005, six, something like that. When sort of later in that, I took over as head coach. So Elmer's still there. Um, I hasten to add. So let's talk a little bit about about Cockermouth as, as a club. Um, you know, just just look at the map and you look at look at where it is geographically. Uh, obviously, like you say, it's on on the border of the Lake District. Um, you know, really kind of up in the up in the the real north of England and, and way out way out to the west. Does kind of its its geographical location and kind of almost the remoteness of it give it some some unique challenges? Um. Yes, uh, so we po- population of Cockmouth is about six to eight thousand. So um, we have a non-selective sort of basis for the swimming club. So we we well, it's non-selective. If you can swim to a certain standard, you can come in. Um, but we only have about if you're talking about county ages for county level and above, we only have about forty swimmers. Um, we don't run the learn to swim. That's run by our leisure provider. So effectively, we get what we get and we pick up some kids from surrounding clubs. But, you know, when you take places like Manchester, the population of the whole of Cumbria is less than half a million. And yet it's the second largest county in, uh, in, in England. So, you know, it's a big, a big, vast area. And, and getting, depending on which route you go, getting from end to end or side to side, because there's a lot of mountains and lakes in the way, uh, can take you know an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. You know, I always say we're two hours from everywhere. We're two hours from Edinburgh. Two hours from Glasgow. We're two hours from Liverpool. Two hours from Manchester. Two hours from Stockport. You know, wherever you want to go and swim in a fifty meter pool, we're two hours from it. <laughs> That's it. So, in terms of as like as a coach um, and and leading leading that club with it, you know, you, you get what you get. Like you say, you you get the swimmers that are. That are on the doorstep. How do you kind of make make that work as a club then, and try and foster a, an ethos where you know people, you know, really start to kick on at that club? Um, well, first of all, it's setting where you see the standards. A lot of kids come into the sport and they want to be um, they want to be a, you know well, they want to be the best in the club to start off with. Then they want to be a county champion. But we start off with an aspiration triangle, and it's kind of goes you know learn to swim. Um, club level, county level, regional level, national, junior international, senior international, Europeans, Commonwealths, Olympics. And when you see yourself on the bottom of that room, and you, but, but also you can, you can see people, well, now you can see Luke on the top of the room at the Olympics, um, you can look and you can go, actually, there's a long way to go. There's a lot of work to do. Um, and one of the fundamentals we have absolutely drilled into everybody is skills. Um, if you saw any of the races from the weekend, I asked on Saturday morning when I got back in training from, uh, from Friday night, and Sam had swam a really good uh, race, Luke's younger brother, and I said, I said, what made the difference? And to a, to a person, they all said his skills. And I went, so why wouldn't you? 
you know, you're going to push off a wall 80 or 1,000 times a year under normal training circumstances. Do it badly, great. You'll end up with bad skills. Do it well, you'll end up with good skills. And believe me, Luke didn't have amazing skills. Sam didn't have amazing skills. It's like babies. They don't walk when they walk first sort of like born. Yeah. It's it's an entirely coachable, trainable thing. Yeah. You mentioned there um, Luke Greenbank. You know, the club has recently, you know, produced Luke Greenbank is now, you know, on the on the GB team winning medals at the world championships and and you know hopefully I'll go on to to get some silverware at the Summer Olympic Games this year. Was it a matter of kind of right swimmer at the right time for the club? Or was it bound, you know, was you know the club's got a history of of producing GB internationals, but was it just a matter of time before one of those went on to to win senior senior medals? Um well, the club has got a history of producing senior internationals, um, but, but bear in mind again where we are, back to the demographic side of things, where we lose everybody at 18. Yeah. You know, so if I go back, um, go back to 2002, which is in kind of the eve that I'm talking about, the club was founded in 1978, so it's got, it's got great internationals from us prior to that. But uh, 2002, uh, we finished fifth top club at British Championship, British uh, Age Group Championships. A uh, lad called Michael Stevenson, broke British age group record, 100 freestyle, uh, won the 50, won the 100. Emma Saneth, won the 50, won the 100 free. Don't know why we can't produce freestyles at the minute now, though. But um, Craig Elliott, youngest person ever on the GB team at European Short Course at 16 year old, uh, broke British record. Um, and then we hit a fallow year, and uh, fallow years from about 2004 to 2000 sort of like eight, nine. And, and that's when we did a complete and utter refresh of the club. So the crop that you see now, um, so I mentioned Elna before, Elna's got family lives in the States. So typically she was uh, six months of the year over in the States. Uh, and I'm a business person, you know, so I was tied up with business, still attending, but whether or not the focus and the uh, attention to detail was there that it should have been, um, so we did a, a refresh of the club. Silly little things like changing the logo. Boy, that created some hassle for people, I've got to tell you. <laughs> you know, change, your, change your logo, by God, you get some hassle on that one. But, but things like that. And what we did is we looked at various aspects of the club. So how were we coaching coaches? You know, we had a lot of volunteers. It's a voluntary club. So, you know, you had experts and people who knew what they were talking about in the club, myself, Elner and and others, but how are we then making sure everybody had the same ethos? How are we making sure everybody had the same focus, the same skill, attention to detail? Um, how are we related to parents, you know? And what were our standards and expectations? And from that, we actually did put our club vision. And the club vision wasn't developed by the coaches. We used the kids to develop it. So the likes of Luke's signature will be on the original version of it because we asked them all to sign it. Yeah. Um, and basically what it said was what, what, what it is that they wanted to achieve. Um, and we, we centered it around things that we want to be admired by um, other clubs for our skills, technique and work ethic. You know, so whenever a swimmer of ours goes away anywhere, um, that people would look at them and say, oh, God, you can tell a swimmer because they don't. Um, 
And I always used to say about Stockport Metro, you could always tell Stockport Metro freestyle. They all swam freestyle identical. Rich Blackshaw must have done a fabulous job. Yeah. They all swam freestyle exactly the same. Yeah. And I wanted that same thing to be a thing of Cockermouth. Uh, but we also said we wanted, we, we aspired to have kids taking part at champ, British Championships, multiple events, because I didn't want to be known as, oh, it's the breaststroke coach, um, multiple events but also multiple distances. So um, 2014, you mentioned Luke, we had three juniors on GB junior teams, Lucy McKenzie, um, 200 back, 200 medley, 400 medley, um, Luke on obviously the backstrokes, but also one of our guys who, who nobody ever remembers, Tom Milburn. Tom swam at three European junior championships and two world junior championships in open water. Right. You know, so, um, and you look and go, the range there from a guy doing 100 back to a guy doing 10k, it all coming out with four million 25 metre pool in Cockermouth. You said, you mentioned there about, um, you know, the, the, the lad that went on to swim at three European juniors, open waters, and yeah. three world juniors, open waters. Do you reckon that, again, going back to that kind of geography of the club, being in the Lake District, you know, gave them access to more open water opportunities having the lakes around, or was did, was that not necessarily a feature in, in any of his programme? It, it wasn't in our programme, but as, as Tom developed, uh, certainly, you know, the one our doorstep, I can drive in 15 minutes and get to five different lakes. So, you know, um, God forbid I would ever go in a lake, actually, the water displacement would be massive. Um, <laughs> so... But yeah, so it does give us that. And in fairness, a lot of your epic events, some of our guys have swimming in one of the epic events yesterday only. Um, and some of the youngsters do as well. But we don't we don't have any specific coaching that goes swimming in lakes. Um, but I think a lot of your better uh, distance swimmers all start off in the pool anyway. And yeah. they, they end up being really good 800, 1500, 400 medley type swimmers. And then they're just kind of like, they're not quite good enough, but then they transition into open water. Yeah. Maybe that's an oversimplification, but, uh, but it does seem to be a, a quite a common trait of them. Yeah, I think <clears throat> just from, you know, when you look at recent experience, you don't, you don't find a, an open water swimmer that isn't, you know, good quality when you look at those eight and 15s in, yeah. in the pool. Um, so, you know, having that, background of of pool distance swimming is, is really important i guess for, for those open water swimmers yeah and uh, as i say we're fortunate the other interestingly the demographic that I'm, i always say we are fortunate with is that with it being such a small town a lot of the kids actually go to school literally 200 yards up from the pool right um because it's the only secondary school in cockmouth uh, and then the other side of it is uh, parents can quite literally drop them off. So we're fortunate. We train six to eight on a morning, which is really late compared to most. Yeah. Um, um, but the kid, parents can drop them off at 10 to six and then pick them up at sort of seven and a half, seven at night on a night because the town is also 200 yards in the other direction. And outside of COVID times, um, what we had was we, we would have kids dropped off they would have the breakfast at the pool, they would put the stuff into a locker, they would walk to school, leisurely, because it's in, you know, there, there were plenty of time, finish school, walk down, get something to eat, either out of the locker or in town, 
then uh, maybe do some gym work and then get in the pool at five. So it was almost like being on campus. Somebody did describe that to me. He said, it's a bit like being on a campus. You know, now we do have a lot of kids that travel as well. So we have a few kids that travel from Carlisle, but it's 26 mile away, 24 mile away. It's not as if it's, you know, kids will travel an hour sometimes to get to training. Yeah. Yeah. So just circling back to um, obviously Luke at the moment, who seems to be like he's uh, almost he's one of the big names at, at British Swimming at, at the moment. You know, he's gone on to work with with Mel Marshall at, at Loughborough, part of the National Centre. What's it been like uh, for you as kind of Luke's like age group coach or the coach that, that brought him through at, at, at Cockermouth? What's it been like for you to see how he's then gone to the National Centre and then really kicked on and progressed further into a, a, a real proper international swimmer? Um, I would argue he's a proper international swimmer when he left because he, he was ranked ninth in the world. Course, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so he was, uh, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really heartening. I mean, it wasn't without his troubles though, as I think everybody knows, Luke had about three or four years of not, not actually doing a PB in his primary event for 200 back. Um, you know, and, and, and Mel and I, talked about that and what it was and, and interestingly uh, changed his program quite a lot so I mean you heard a lot about um, people being in heavy training uh, Europeans and things like that Luke was always pretty much in heavy training with us um, and when I say heavy not not we don't have the facility to do 70 80,000 a week we don't we never we never can we do about 40 to 50 but we always use a sort of like a threshold base so it's quite hard work uh, do very little lactic tolerance work. Um, but what we try and do is keep people on that sort of like that edge all the time of, uh, of, 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 of achievement and then do a lot of skills and race work um, on top of that. So, you know, just, to, as, you know, uh, like last night when we finished, we finished a set and I said, right, everybody's doing a stand-up. <laughs> they all looked at me like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, but you walk out with that and, three or four of the youngsters from a PB. Um, but in terms of that transition, it, we did everything right. Um, so, well, Luke transitioned at the same time as Ed Baxter. Um, you know, Ed, Ed was another British junior record holder for us. Um, and the transition, the transition went really well. But the only thing Mel and I, and I you know, we sort of debated this, the only thing I never did really was sit down with Mel and said, this is how we run our programs. This is how, why Luke is like Luke is. You know, Luke would do lots of, say, 10, 400s backstroke, just constant, easy speed, feeling the water, just, you know, and, and that made his, his stroke really fluid, you know, nice, you know, really just relaxed. I mean, he, he, he once raced a 400 back at 16 year old and went 4 2, you know, which when you consider that. When you consider that a, a good benchmark for any junior at 18 is to break two minutes, but he can do back-to-back -back ones, yeah, almost, you know, is uh, phenomenal. But it was just a basis of doing that. And at the minute, he's he's still in he's still in heavy training. I mean, his swimming at the weekend wasn't that wasn't that great, but it was uh, he's, he's in heavy training uh, because actually, I think what we what 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 we've all learned is that he hasn't really changed structurally from when he was younger. Mm. You know, he still needs that good base all the time to keep ticking over, you know, and uh, when then when you give him that bit of extra rest, all of a sudden he flies. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's it's really good how you know you and you and Mel have almost like worked together on that and consulted each other on on making sure that you know everything is 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 right for Luke. So I think you know when you when you actually put it into into perspective, um, Luke spent you know a really long time training with you and and training within your program, and then he's gone and he's he's left Cockermouth and he's moved to Lafra, which is you know like you say at least you know quite a lot further than two hours away from from where he lives is in a new environment with new people and a new coach so that kind of ability to kind of uh work work together would have really helped him i guess yeah and, and in fairness luke's younger brother sam i mentioned him earlier so luke comes up um he's the great thing about the club is it's got friendships so my son's a really good friend of luke's um, whenever they're up, they tend to go out doing something that, you know, I ask not what they're doing because Luke's a bit accident prone. Um, you know, he, everybody else has compression suits. Luke should have bubble wrap around it. <laughs> so just quickly in terms of over the last kind of four or five years, having a swimmer um, in a national centre, well, he had quite a few swimmers, um, obviously competing at international level over, over your time at, at Cockermouth, but more recently you've had, well, you did have Ed go and then train at a, a national centre as well. And then you've got Luke at a national centre. What have you learned as a coach from that in terms of, is there any anything you've been able to reflect on when they've gone to a national centre that you've been able to then, then really look at back at the home programme? Um, I think I think the biggie for me is always going to be communication. Um, whether it's with the kids, whether it's the parents or, or whatever. Um, but it's honest communication. You know, a lot of people think that I'm quite brutal. I'm not, I'm honest. Um, but I always say to people, if you don't think I'm acting in your best interests, don't sort of, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't be here. You know, I'm, I'm always going to be acting in your best interests. And, and forgive me if it's sometimes what the communication is a little cack-handed because it won't always be perfect. But if you started from the basis of I'm always acting in your best interest, I'm always trying to get the best out of you, I think then you open up an all, a better dialogue with everybody, you know, whether it's, whether it's the national centres, whether it's, you know, so, you know, we've, we've had, you know, difficult conversations with, with Luke, particularly when he wasn't doing great, but having that, that focus on everybody trying to do the right thing for the right people, um, and likewise, I just wish, you know, I, mean, I give a big shout out to Dave Hemmings. Dave Hemmings puts loads out there that is great stuff, um, you know, and I'm one of his biggest fans. Not, not because there's something unique about what he's doing, it's because he's opening up and showing people. Yeah. And I think that's a really big thing. Our website has everything, all our sessions on it. It has all of the information that we provide to our kids. And they're not in some secret area. They're there. Because... If anybody wants to go on to it and get them, great. If their kids get better, great. My kids have to get even better to beat you. Yeah. And it's a simple philosophy. We have this, sometimes it's a bit cloak and dagger. People hide things and cover things up. I'm not. I just sort of said, we'll all move forward when we all decide that we're moving forward together. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the, the biggest lesson I've learned is that, you know, be open, be transparent, be honest. And let people know if you don't think something, something's going perfect, talk to them about it. You know, but it's, uh, I, 
It's the same with the coaches as well. You know, our coaches on the deck, you know, the, 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 we all talk openly and honestly. We all give feedback to each other as well. You know, good and, good and bad, you know. Perfect. So, so, I want to, I'm, I'm really conscious that, you know, I think everyone's had, had enough of, of, of a pandemic. Um, but I want to spend um, just a, a little while talking about about the, the, the pandemic in terms of because well first of all um, you're part of the 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 V Meet Swim uh, that's kind of really uh, kicked off during the pandemic and you know you've been one of the, the real key drivers behind it. What 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 kind of inspired you with with, with starting that off and. How do you see it kind of continuing once, you know, competition returns, which hopefully won't be too far away? So it, it's interesting. Um, I, and I, and, uh, so 4th of, 4th of August last year, I sent out a tweet, uh, and you can go look it up, and it basically says, we can't, we can't race each other. Anybody fancy doing a virtual meet? Uh, and the original thing, prior to VMeet, was a thing called Youth ISL. So it was a little bit of a mictake of the ISL. Uh, and some uh, some of my Geordie friends, Kevin Renshaw and Dave uh, McNulty, it was the YISL. Um, so, um, and basically, we said, anybody fancy doing a meet? And it kind of went global, and it was like a big shock. So, you know, because of this rule of six where somebody knows somebody and everybody knows everybody in the planet, um, we, ended up with a, we ended up with two clubs in California, one in Colorado, one in New Orleans, Hong Kong, Slovenia, a uh, few in the UK. And it's kind of, what, how did that happen? Um, now, because people were going in and out of lockdown and things, they all didn't manage to compete. So, there's a, but also, we also found out, you know, that forest fires in California, that stopped them competing. A typhoon that hit Hong Kong, that stopped them competing at times. We had a hurricane through New Orleans. You know, so we had this whole maelstrom of stuff going on, but then we got these results in, and it was basically we ran the Arena League, is what we did. Um, but um, we ran that, and we got a 54 for a girl on 100 freestyle. And it was like, nah, the Americans have gone and put the yards time in, <laughs> you know. And then you looked who it was, and it was Alicia Marsh, Dave Marsh's daughter. And I thought, hold on a second, we've just got a major international swimmer, swimming. And that, so, so that was that one event. And then I, I thought, I sat down and I thought, well, why don't we just virtually race anyway? We could find the next Michael Phelps or the next Adam Peaty, but the, they'll never get that chance. And, and I say, I'm a volunteer, so the, the premise of VME was never to make huge sums of money out of it. What it was was to generate something that people got an interest in Make it really simple so that you could just, your home coach could say, right, I'm doing a stand-up tonight, 100 freestyle. Yeah? And if, if there was a competition run at the time that said 100 freestyle, you could enter your times, and you had the opportunity to win some, you know, win a prize, but also win prizes for the club, the coach, and the swimmer. Because actually, the least paid people in this country on, for swimming generally is the, club, the coaches. You know, yeah. I think most coaches at this point would say yes. <laughs> and, and I would I would say that you weren't infinitely more than me because I don't take anything. <laughs> um, but the reality is it, it's, it's, it's the, the whole system is premised on goodwill. 
And I think that's a wrong way of doing it. I think there should be a more professional, more rewarded system, you know, such that, and I, what, so, so at a basic level, charge one pound per swim, you know, now to put that into perspective, if we go away at the Stockport Open meet, yeah, to say next March we go away, a family will literally come away with a bill for about £500 yeah. for that weekend because we've got to travel down on the Friday because we're two and a bit hours away. We've got to stay the Saturday. You've got, then got the envies. You've then got your food to pay for while you're there. You know, etc. Et you come away with £500. Or you do three or four events in a V-meet environment and you pay four quid. You know, the difference of... And then you don't even get medals now at most meets. You just go onto a ranking database. Whereas this is gives you the opportunity to showcase great performances in a training environment it's a trust-based system um but so so it's actually it's it's leapt on quite a lot faster than we thought you know the um there's the, well there's three three four principal people involved in it and volunteers and the next thing is we try and take it to the next level um move it onto a new sort of platform new sort of look, um, can't say much about it, but there's uh, a lot of interest uh, from some significant people in how it would go forward. And I mean, I don't know, Jamie, how old you are, how long you've been swimming. I'm 54 now, but swimming hasn't changed in all the years I've been swimming. You yeah. went to counties, you qualified for regionals, which then was, for me, Northumberland doing to northeast counties. You then qualified for nationals. If you're good enough, you... But there's nothing in between for all those kids that might drop out. So if I use an example, Sam swam at the weekend, Luke's brother. Mm -hmm. Sam won nationals in 2019. 2020's written off. So you've expected that might have been a year he'd qualify for European juniors. He's had seven weeks training plus doing his uh, exams, his, yeah. his A-levels, prior to going to the one opportunity, which is one race, one swim, not even a final, to, his, uh, to, to try and qualify for European juniors. If he doesn't go, then the next nearest rival to him or the best rival around is his brother. Yeah. So he's missed out all of that opportunity, whereas something like VB might keep him in the game constantly because he's still going to produce good times so he could still win some prizes. He's still going to do that. And rather than get a job, say, on a Saturday morning cooking burgers at McDonald's to, to fund his college... He continues on for his swimming and puts in some stunning performances. Now yeah. that's that'll be a lot of swimmers. It's not just you know, and 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 Sam's ultra key, so he'll be, he'll keep going irrespective. But we get such a dropout rate um, going through the system, and this is a way of sort of like maintaining that and keeping it going. Because I can't think of anything else that we, that the system does to support the average swimmers. Yeah, do you know. Do you know what I really liked about the, the V-Meet Swim when, when I was looking at it? Is that there's lots of different kind of ways of, of competing with it. You know, you had, uh, you had the swim golf, you had um, uh, kick challenges. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily that kind of traditional race in this event, race in that event, race in that event. And, you know, you could, you could be so creative with it and you could do, I don't know, 25 meters underwater for time. And that's, you know, it's, it's, competitive but also it's developing a, an underwater kicking skill as well so what i liked about it was that it kind of took the focus away from especially when you're looking at like the age group swimmers took the focus away from how fast can i do this yeah. uh, this race but 
you know, some of those things was how well can I do this skill to, to, to be efficient and, and to do it really fast. So I thought that was um, a great way to look at it. Um, and it's really deliberate because it's being developed by coaches. Yeah. You know, and, and I, don't get me wrong, this isn't trying to displace anything because at the end of the day, you're going to have to pick your national champion on the person who touches the wall first. Oh, yeah. You know, your, your Olympic gold medalist is not the person who looks nicest, <laughs> you know, in the water. It's going to be the person who touches the wall first. So at the end of the day, I'm always looking for, but how do I get them to be that person? You know, so years ago, we introduced, I mean, I'm talking... 12 years ago, we introduced a turn point. So people used to put, throw a bit of rope over the lane so that when you pushed off the wall and did your fly kicks, you had to go under the rope. But unfortunately, you swam into the rope coming back. So we introduced a little bit of plastic with some foam on that you clipped on underneath the lane rope. We still use them every day and it covers half the lane. Yeah. So you have to go under it and depending on where you set that, that uh, we call it a turn boy, but where you set that turn boy, just plumber's pipe and a T-piece, nothing more than that with some yeah. insulating foam around it, plumber's pipe, T-piece, insulating foam, clipped under the lane rope, it's absolutely brilliant. Because you, you go counterclockwise like that, so it goes over two lanes and you can cover it. So, but you can put that seven metres out, you can put it ten metres out, you can put it three metres out. So even our youngsters, our youngest swimmers, have the turn boy in the water. Yeah. all the time so it's developing skills all the time Vimi has exactly that same opportunity you know how few strokes and how fast can you go that's efficiency that's the fundamental of swimming how efficient can you be so the swim golf thing is absolutely absolutely perfect to generate really really efficient swimmers yeah yeah so last last question on the pandemic I promise um <laughs> Obviously, as the whole sport kind of closed down um, and we've been in, in and out of, in and out of lockdown, lockdowns, how has kind of that time away allowed you to, to reflect and then just think about the way that, that you work as a coach? Are there any things you've changed in terms of, aside from the obvious, in terms of what restrictions we have to follow and all that kind of stuff? Is there anything you've changed in terms of, how you're coaching and what you're coaching um, as a result of, of reflection? Um, it's a difficult one. Um, if I'm honest, we, we've, we lost a few swimmers yeah. through the pandemic, a few really good swimmers, which is a bit of a shame. Um, 2019, we also lost seven, seven people at university. Um, and say when you've got 40 swimmers in a squad seven going out leaves some big gaps so yeah. I guess the thing I'd reflect on more than anything else is we're back in that cycle of re-educating youngsters again so I think the average age in my squad now is probably 13 or 14 right. and I'm going to lose Sam um, to uni this year as well and I'll lose Piers Green you know, who swam in Baku in 2019 and say he's the 400 medley guy um, so we'll be back to a, a very young age group squad again, which is absolutely fine. You know, there's some great talent in there. Um, but often it's the why. I don't know if you've seen Simon Sinek talking about businesses and things like that. Yeah. And he'll always describe it as it's the why. Well, why do I get up on a morning and flog myself up and, you know, stink of chlorine and rot my hair and et cetera? But trying to get that through to them, trying to get through to them, 
why it's important to do the things that you do, why it's important to eat well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I guess we're back in a, a period of consolidation and education. So that's kind of the main thing. Program-wise, we haven't changed a lot, to be honest. It's, it's run successfully for, for many years. We're always tweaking it. Don't get me wrong, we're tweaking yeah. it. But we've never fundamentally said, right, let's try and run an eight-week program rather than a four-week program, or let's try and develop fly swimmers when our lanes are only 1.5 metres wide and they'll all clatter their arms together. Or, you know, we've got less swimmers in the water, so there is something to reflect on with regard to fly, because we've had some good fly swimmers in the past. Luke was a great fly Well, he is a great fly swimmer. Um, Anna Newland's great fly swimmer. So I think there is a bit where we can sort of do a little bit more looking at it, but it's a small pool. It's difficult to change some of the things. And the training times are kind of fixed as well. Um, what we can't do at the minute, which we will introduce um, coming back is, um, and it will be new for all of these kids, is back using Pilates again. We do a lot, we did a lot of Pilates with Luke and Ed and people like that. A lot of core work, no, no gym work really at all. So we'll bring that back in for the youngsters. It sounds sounds good. Now, at the end of all the podcasts that, that we have with with coaches, we always ask the kind of top three tips on something, right? So today, Sean, I'm going to ask you for your top three tips on trying to keep things fresh in the training environment. You know, like you said, a lot of these swimmers, you know, they commit a lot to the sport and they're up every morning late at night and it's you know it can be quite a grueling routine how does how do you as a coach keep that environment fresh for them so they keep they keep coming back every time um i think the first thing have you asked me for three i was going to struggle on there but the first one is communication with them yeah you know um we typically have a chat at the beginning of a session we typically have a chat at the end of the session uh, with the swimmers, but also taking a swimmer out, you know, talking to them. Um, and it sounds, it sounds fairly trite that, no, well, doesn't everybody, but I don't think they do. No, yeah. So I actually understand my swimmers. You know, just an example, one of the girls, she's suffering from back, poorly back at the minute. She just, just grew up, she's just growing, that's all. Um, and it was sensible to move her from the lane she was in last night to another lane. Yeah. And I'd already spoken to her about the back, and then I looked across, and you can see there's tears in her eyes. Got her out a little bit late, and I said, you didn't like getting moved, did you? And it was the move that caused the problem, yeah. not the back. Because there was this thing about being demoted. Yeah. It was the right thing to do, but unless you understand your swimmers, and you're talking to them. And as soon as she sort of like went, yeah, I went, look, okay. If you want to go back in the other lane, it's fine. But we only did it for your benefit. And you've missed that little bit about you over there because, you know, you, 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 you're swimming slow, you're back to like, And you're doing all the right things, but you just missed that little bit of communication, knowing your swimmers, you know. And, and sometimes it's just those little tweaks that you make that all of a sudden the, the kid goes, he's doing this for the right reason as opposed to the wrong. So I think the first one would be do it for the right reasons. Second one was show passion. You know, irrespective of what's going on in the water, irrespective of how lethargic or poor a session you might be having, don't you drop down to that level. Yeah. Never drop down to that level. You've got to be absolutely, come on, guys, 
What we're going to do, right, this isn't going so well. What do you like to do on this? We're going to scrap that sex, it's rubbish. We're, not, we're really not working on it properly. What do you want to do? And get them to give feedback. Can we do some skills on this? Can we do some turnpike? Even if you have to change it, it doesn't happen very often, but unless you show passion about it, yeah, they're not going to. No, yeah. You know, they're going to sit there and go, oh, is that bloody coach Mondays again? You know, a, and I guess the third thing is, is um, just, just, just be open. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think the world progresses better when everybody works together. Yeah. You know, so as I said, we've got everything that we do on our website. Anybody wants to come and, you know, Manchester being really good, they often send up some of their new coaches to come and see here. Fred Kirby, I used to swim for Fred donkeys years ago, but Fred uh, often will send guys from the North East to come and see us in the programme. Whatever you want, it's all there, you can have it. You want me to come and visit you? Fine, I'll come visit you. You know, whatever, just because actually, the better the the better the whole system gets, the better your kids will become. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's it goes back to that that kind of constant in swimming. There's always someone a bit better than you. There's always yeah. someone doing something a little bit better than you. And I think that's that's for me one of the best things about swimming because you're always striving to do to do better than than, than you've done, right? Yeah. So. I think that was three, but yeah, I think it was. You said uh, openness, um, communication for the right reasons, yeah. and, and yeah, passion. The, the, the passion. So yeah. brilliant, uh, Sean. Thank you so much uh, for for your time. Uh, it's been great to discuss kind of uh, your program at Cockermouth, kind of your journey through the sport, and and, and your reflections uh, upon that, and also um, the, the V Meet Swim and, and coaches. If you're if you're listening and you've not signed up to the vmeet swim or you're interested in finding more information about that um then make sure you go and check it out um because there's some some really some really cool stuff going on there uh sean thank you so much for your time no thank you and uh, good luck to everybody in the return um you know i hope to be uh, beating you soon <laughs> <laughs> and there we go that is episode four wrapped up if you enjoyed the episode then make sure you share it amongst your your coaching network uh, don't forget to feedback to us at the Poolside Pass on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and for you know, more episodes, make sure you're subscribing uh, to the Poolside Pass on your favorite podcast player. But also, you can catch uh, all of our episodes over at our website, www.thepoolsidepass.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>